Okay, welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz, the weathered undergrad, and Adam, I have to say, I was in the car and I heard a voice, and it's like, why is it on the AM? But it turned out it was you mm-hmm. uh, visiting down the road there, so that was... You get around, <laughs> man. <laughs> Yeah, I I uh, I cheat on CFRU with five seventy news sometimes. So uh, I was on the Mike Falwell show. If people don't know, he sometimes uh, asks me if I want to come on to talk about Guelph stuff. And because I'm a, a shameless publicity, oh, <laughs> I, I I do. So the secret is out. Although although it wasn't really a secret. All about the Guelph though, so that's okay. Yeah, it is all we'll about. Give you this one. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was. It was community radio, not necessarily campus and community radio, but yeah. there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take a pass. Uh, Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be Kareem Assad, a Toronto lawyer and citizen journalist who has been doing a lot of work exposing Canada's conspiratorial far right, and that includes Romana Dadillo. And she's going to talk to us this week about uh, the QAnon Queen of Canada's recent very unsuccessful trip to Peterborough to arrest the Peterborough Police Service. Um, spoiler alert the Peterborough Police Service was not taken into custody and handed over to the military. And uh, Karima is going to tell us all about that. <laughs> <laughs> or a UFO, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was also, spoiler alert, there was no UFO. Um, that will be at the bottom of the hour. Before that, we're going to talk about a few news items from the last week, including swatting. We're going to talk about the strange case where London police were sent to the home of a Twitch streamer under false pretenses and why this is another sign of growing trans hatred. Uh, first, though, Wednesday marked the six-month anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, although, as uh, I did note, somebody writing in, uh, opinion piece on CBC. Uh, this is not really the six month anniversary. The invasion pretty much started in 2014 when Russia took Crimea and uh, then, you know, have tried to forcibly absorb uh, areas in southeastern Ukraine uh, to have that land bridge between Crimea and Russia uh, unsuccessful, surprisingly unsuccessful, because I think as we, we kind of talked about Ukraine, this every, you know, no matter how long it's gone on now, it's kind of surprising that it's uh, still gone on this long. Yeah, that, that you're right. It, there was expected to be a, let's say a quick turnover and obviously not the case. Um, yeah, so the Independence Day was this past uh, Wednesday. It happens to be the day we were recording, and a little bit more muted this year because it was um, it was suspected that there were going to be some uh, let's call them retaliatory attacks, although there's continuous attacks. But it was mm. mostly due to the assassination of Daria Degina, um, a propagandist of a sort whose uh, father is considered what what are they calling him? Putin's Rasputin or something? Yep. Alexander Putin's, Dugan. Putin's Rasputin. Who may, who may or not have been the true target of the bomb it's all very mysterious and of course the uh russian government is blaming ukrainians ukrainian secret services it was like some they were blaming on some child at one point and the ukrainians are like nope not us so Mm. it's it's impossible to tell whether this is a sign of 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 the uh, conflict the war taking a different turn because if it if it was the case 
um, you would think the Ukrainians would say, oh yeah, no, it was us. We did the, you know, we did and, but they're, they're denying it. Mm-hmm. And a group, there's one group taking credit called the, I think they're called the national or nationalist Republican army in Russia. It sounds like there's some dissenters in Russia that have turned into some kind of partisan uh, group mm-hmm. that are planning to overthrow uh, Putin and the Russian government. So, which of course Ukraine would probably not be against, but uh, yeah, so it, it, it did take a, not, not necessarily a turn for the strange because in this kind of conflict, you expect assassination like that, you know, you can be sure that there's people after Zelensky, there'll be people after Putin and various others. But uh, yeah, so there was some re- retaliatory bombing today. What was it? A, a, a civilian train today. Mm-hmm. Uh, last I saw um, the death toll was increased. had gone up to about 22. I'm sure the Russians will say, no, it was a military target, but no, it wasn't. It was just, just a random uh, train station um, just outside the, the zone there, the Donbass, I guess, in that general area. I sorry, I can't remember the name of the town off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, that it did happen. As to whether there'll be more over the course of the, of the day, or the next couple of days, it's entirely possible. But uh, yeah, yeah. The 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 whole thing with Daria Dugina is it is mysterious because you know, listening to sort of people who know Russia. As, as much as anyone can know Russia, they seem to have centered on two theories, one of which is that, yeah, there's kind of this disgruntlement in some of the establishment, let's call them the establishment of Russia, who, you know, see Putin acting recklessly, destroying the Russian economy, um, you know, wasting Russian forces and, you know, the, now this six month conflict Um and, you know, taking out kind of a, a soft target like the daughter of um, his Rasputin, which is, you know, <laughs> stay tuned for the second half of the show. It's sadly not the first reference to Rasputin today. Um, but yeah, it, you know, uh, Dorita, sh- she seems to be like the Russian equivalent of, of Steve Bannon in terms of like, she'll go on TV and rant and rave about, uh, you know, immigrants and people who are threats to, you know, ethnic purity in russia and western ways and and that and kind of ukrainians thing. yeah yeah ukrainian yeah. things and now there's no such thing as ukraine um which is something her father said like her and her father are pretty closely aligned there is a f- another faction of this which says that this is uh and you know we hesitate to use the f- phrase because it's been so used so often uh, for utter and complete craziness false flag because apparently she and her father were about were supposed to ride in the same vehicle away from this uh, this arts event, uh, which is in this ritzy neighborhood just outside Moscow. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ended up not taking the car, her car, at the last minute, and so a lot of people are like, "Ooh, was this like a a, a move for Putin to set up like the reason to retaliate?" And it's because you know, then then it makes it extremely timely that this uh, the six-month anniversary of the launch of the invasion the full invasion uh now they have a reason to strike back at ukraine look at what ukraine did it's like well i i mean again you said that ukraine didn't take credit and that is i think correct but you know if you gotta wonder if you're ukraine and you have the capacity to attack so deep into russian territory uh that you can get someone outside Moscow, would your target be like a pundit? Like in like the daughter of like a pundit? 
it's doesn't no. make a lot of sense. <laughs> no, it would be a, a generalist, somebody higher up, obviously. But yeah. I mean, if there's any nation that specializes in political assassination, yeah, it is Russia. Yeah, right? whether it yeah. is, and it's all over the place too. Whether it's a polonium tea or you name it. So, uh, <laughs> whether it has the hallmarks of that, or I noticed there was some comment about how wow, for somebody who got blown up in her car, she looks fantastic in that coffin. Yeah, be too morbid, but yeah, it's like open coffin. Although, yeah, I did. Um, I didn't actually go into Lennon's tomb, but I was there and uh, he was, he was looking good. So anyway, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Total diversion there. Um, it was a long time ago. Uh, very, very long time ago. But yeah, so you were talking about, uh, you know, attacks inside territory, not just of this sort, but it is getting to the point where uh, with the artillery and, and uh, material that are being given to the Ukrainians, that they are being able to strike well into zones that they haven't before, including, I think it was an ammo dump in mm. Crimea. And uh, you probably saw the footage, Adam, of the mm. on the beach going, whoa, that's too close. The Russian people on the beach, right? It's their beach holiday. And uh, mm-hmm. there was some interesting uh, TikTok or otherwise of people complaining about, oh, I don't want to leave. It's a, um, well, you know, it is, it is a war. It was a war zone. It was quiet, but now it's uh, the reach <laughs> has, has been extended a bit more. And, and um, <laughs> the ambience of my tropical resort town's been ruined. Yeah. <laughs> By a giant flaming ammo dump cloud. Um, so, yeah, and there's been some attacks on uh, bridges in and out of Crimea. I'm not, they keep, I keep seeing an implication that they're trying to just sort of isolate it completely or as completely as they can. And then uh, the game will change maybe. But, yeah, we're still it's still it. We're at attrition mode now. Right. This was predicted. Once mm-hmm. there wasn't the clean sweep from the Russians early on, that it was going to be this tit for tat stuff, the back and forth, there'll be gains in either direction. Uh, there'll be no progress and it could potentially, you know, the predictions have been, well, you know, the usual, it's like, well, it'll be over by Christmas, like world war one, or uh, we'll, we'll just keep going. I'm, I'm of the mind uh, that unless there's some sort of, you know, radical drive to negotiate, which it doesn't seem to be neither side is like no no we're not we're just not going to do that um that it will just go on until yeah. every apartment building is flattened and every train is crushed and every you know every or uh, worse civilians been scarred in some way right right or worse because like that like the scariest part of this right now is what's happening around the uh, zaporizhia oh man yeah. nuclear power plant where russia seems to be bombing in places around the power plant largest nuclear power plant in europe um and the, the, you know, the Ukrainians are like, hey, you know, maybe could we set up a demilitarized zone around our massive nuclear power plant? Um, and Russia's like, no, we're not going to do that, or, or, or just aren't saying nothing at all. And it has, I mean, it has all the earmarks of what happened at Chernobyl mm-hmm. earlier this year, where you know they, they were digging trenches in the forest and dragging money, radioactive mud back into oh. the barracks. And it's just like, are you really this? callous are you really this careless are you really hoping that like something's gonna happen of course russia on the other hand is like no we got to keep up the bombardment because like as soon as we stop ukraine is going to like do something and then they're going to blame if something happens at this power plant they're going to blame it on us so we have to be ready to respond and i mean (laughs) thinking about ukraine thinking about the history there what happened 40 years ago um at Chernobyl, it's like, you, you think they really want another nuclear wasteland within their borders, Russia? Uh, like, nobody's buying that. But, you know, they're, they're still keeping it up. They're still um, 
you know, the, the power plant itself isn't a target, but they, they one wonders just how good the guys on the mortar machines are when aiming at stuff. If you know you have people at the power plant sweating about the possibility of a mortar landing in the exact wrong place. Which is entirely possible. Yeah, that's it really needs to be made into some kind of neutral zone. I did see a report that the international inspectors might be able to get there, but it's 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 unlikely. Mm-hmm. Like I guess it's along the lines of the eyes of stall steel plant. I think the Red Cross got in there eventually. Like there was there was this window, this point that they really need to do that with us, because I don't I'm you know, maybe they don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're threatening to use nuclear weapons. What's a little exploded power plant? We we managed Chernobyl, right? No, you didn't at all. You didn't at all. So, yeah, that that definitely needs to be uh, um, yeah. sorted out. The sooner the better, along with everything else, of course. But that in particular is like it's, it could lay waste to a massive swath of well, Europe or mm-hmm. most most of that area. But yeah, so the um, I heard that Russia's begun. Uh, heavy recruitment campaign i am no surprise there it sounds like they're not running out of people but um the evidence would suggest that they're pretty much offering up you know cannon fodder style Mm. fighters at this point right there's no they haven't put out casualty figures since march no so the estimates are pretty high but the uh you know it's all about controlling the message right can't look bad um you know couple that with the amount of of money that Ukraine is going to be getting and the training that they're getting from other European nations and Canada and the U S three billion from the U S was announced this three billion week. more. Yep. And I believe Germany was like half a billion euros. Uh, so that they are getting this injection that Russia isn't yet. I say yet. Cause I don't, I don't know where it would come from. If it was going to come from anywhere. It'd be somewhere like China, but China is, seems to be have taken a bit of a step back. Um, but yeah, and if you're having, it's, there's been reports of foreign fighters like from Syria and Libya on the Russian side. It's like, that's what it, you know. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, this for sorry. To be fair, there's foreign fighters in Ukraine as well. But yeah, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. but this, you know, is it, did you go by choice or was it like, no, you have to go, you have to go help these people out because they, or if you know, back scratching style, right? Yeah, Putin was insisting on like, hey, we, you know, we were in Syria for years to help you. Bashar al-Assad, now you owe us, uh, which totally seems like Putin-style gangster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we'll have to see if we're still talking about this another six months. Probably, oh, probably, probably will be. Sadly, yeah. Um, closer to home, uh, you may not know the name Clara Sorrenti, uh, but there are a lot of people on the internet who do, or more precisely know her as uh, Keffels who uh, she uh, she talks about politics on uh, Twitch, which is uh, mm, how best to put it kind of like YouTube for gamers, although it's it's kind of expanded beyond gamers to just sort of like regular sort of live video chats and uh, interactions between you and the audience. Uh, But Keffels does a lot about politics. So naturally, being a trans woman, she got the ire of a lot of transphobic people. And it ended up with a swatting incident earlier this month where uh, London police showed up at her house, full tack gear, knock on the door, uh, pulled her and her fiance out, uh, collected all their stuff, all their devices, because someone in Clara's name uh, sent a death threat to London City Council 
And uh, it's sadly, it's not over for Keffels and her fiance yet. They were docs that they went to stay in a hotel because technically their home was a crime scene and they didn't feel safe. Uh, they went to a hotel. Their hotel was docs because I think she posted a picture of their cat sitting on a bed and somebody went to the trouble of searching through all like the trip advisor sites to identify the linen so that they'd know what hotel she was staying in and uh, then further proceeded to uh, dox her there. Uh, it, it's a long story, but I mean, it's also a sign that, uh, you know, these are not great times for our trans friends who find themselves under a very big microscope uh, by some very bad people on the internet. Oh, absolutely. And this is one of the, one of those topics where it's not that I'm out of my wheelhouse, but I have, I always feel I have to learn when it's the, you know, this realm, because I don't, you know, you were mm -hmm. talking about what Twitch is. <laughs> I have a vague notion of what Twitch is. I don't, I don't really um, orbit these areas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like Tetris was the big game when I, you know, when I got into computers, I don't want to sound like the old man, but it's sort of, it speaks to a comment that Keffel's made. <laughs> about mm -hmm. the police in London mm -hmm. and it was mm -hmm. to the effect of how, you know, how would I expect a 50 year old cop to know what is going on here necessarily. Mm -hmm. And this was speaking to the way things were handled with Keffels, the dead naming of them yeah. um, by the police, not just by the, the, uh, the uh, doxers and that gang. Um, and it, it's, got, it's kind of the point now where that is, is almost, militarized is this have i got it right out and this is kind of not in the wake of gamergate but gamergate was the first uh large incident of this scale of this magnitude and that technique seems to be and we, we talked about gamergate at the time i think this <laughs> seems to play in like the the techniques are the same it's like you're going to take the time to go through this and find the bed sheets of a hotel so you can find this person and order them what was yeah. it 500 worth of pizza or something yeah and not to mention, they also uh, gave the address of a Sorrenti in Toronto, which was yeah. an old Italian man or something who was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, uh, who's probably even more out of the the, the loop yeah. on these on what's Twitch and, and, and stuff than you are. Is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's so... I think you're right. Gamergate was the first time this was kind of on large scale. I think you could probably make the argument that women and people who identify as women have always been sort of under these kind of uh, pressures, uh, these kind of threats, uh, certainly social media and the crowdsourcing around this. And, and this has come up around a particular site called Kiwi Farm, which seems to be a forum where people who are stalking people seem to congregate and uh, Kiwi Farm has come under a very big microscope the, the last week because, um, and I went on Kiwi Farm just to sort of check it out. And yeah, it's it's not a pleasant place. You only need to be on it for like two minutes to, to really discover that. And there's a thread um, on, on Keffel's. She posted a video on, I think it was last Friday, explaining the situation, how uh, she'd be, you know, getting offline for a while because, you know, talking about everything that's happened, the doxing and the, the pizzas and all that. And like within minutes, the YouTube link was on Kiwi farm and uh, it was all rather celebratory. It was kind of disturbing. So um, there, there's, 
this Kiwi Farm site and Cloudflare, which does the sort of the internet security for um, for Kiwi Farm, and uh, you may recognize the name Cloudflare from. Uh, they did internet security for the Daily Stormer and 8chan. And once oh. that sort of came out, they dumped them both. So these they do have a history of sort of um, <laughs> protecting the worst people on the internet. <laughs> so uh, it, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens um, with the, the old Kiwi Farm community at the end of this. Yeah, and the fact that Keffels has said they're leaving the country. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, not sure as to what difference that will make. And I guess they're using a VPN now and trying to be, uh, obviously not going to stand down, but, uh, mm. leaving the country is, is, is a massive jump, but yet, uh, I'm reading a bit about other people that have been attacked via, uh, Kiwi farm. Uh, one of the targets was a, a Japanese person. So I'm not sure if, uh, you know, leaving countries necessarily will change it. And I, I, I mentioned that, sorry, I've dropped their name, but the, um, there's been three or four suicides that seem to be linked directly to uh, Kiwi farm mm-hmm. driven attacks. Mm-hmm. And if I've got it, I did read in one place that they keep a counter or somebody keeps a counter of people who have died. Yeah. Thanks to these attacks. Now that is, that's dark. The whole thing is dark, but that is, that is bleak. If this is your, um, if this is your life doing this to people, regardless of, you know, it seems to be focusing on minorities and LGBTQ plus people, women, yeah. um, anybody who is uh, not, how did Zoe Quinn of Gamergate put it straight white guys who don't really have a lot going on. Mm. was the best summary I heard. Maybe not necessarily completely true, but that is what it seems. I mean, be. it's, it's not untrue. And you think about somebody yeah. like Tyler Barris, who uh, is doing 20 years in jail, uh, after he thought he was swatting somebody else, um, but he ended up swatting uh, this family in Wichita, Kansas. A man named Andrew Finch went to the door, opened it, was surrounded by police, bright light shining in his face because it was night, surrounded by guns. He was confused. He had no idea what was going on. And uh, one of the SWAT officers shot him and killed him. And so it's like swatting. I mean, a lot of these guys think it's pretty cool, but people have been killed in swatting incidents like Andrew Finch. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, in, in, a, in an exchange that had nothing to do with him. But yeah, Tyler Barris was this kid who played video games. Well, not a kid. He was in his 20s at the time. But, you know, he played video games. He, he lived in his own little world. And, uh, you know, perhaps socially awkward and, you know, he felt power being able to manipulate people and, and it it escalated to the point where somebody who he had never met, someone he had no beef with got killed. And, you know, it it could have happened to this John Serratini guy in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of these things that, you know, has gotten people killed, like swatting. It's like, well, okay, they sent the police waste of police resources. Okay. But people have gotten killed. And I, I, I don't think we can mitigate that. No. And you have to wonder too, like what, what is driving it? Right. It's mm-hmm. like, what, what prompts somebody to do that? Just because somebody, if it's all about free speech and opinion, mm-hmm. and you've got this group of people, you don't necessarily like have a certain opinion. Uh, 
this is what you do. You send a SWAT team to them because you can. You send pizzas to them because you can. You the friends and family also doxed, right? Mm-hmm. I I don't like. This is why sometimes I feel like I'm out of my out of not the comfort zone, but it's like I don't. I I'm having trouble comprehending the whole thing. And sort of as a as a bit of a sidebar too, because I saw I this was a, I had to look it up again. The story in the eye opener, which is the uh, TMU paper about just women gamers in general just gamers and just gaming mm-hmm. is it and is just toxic completely toxic for women they talked to some uh, gamers who are students at toronto metropolitan U, mm. and and how they are treated <laughs> it just um and it's, it would seem that twitch has become something it isn't just sort of let's play games together i didn't even know there was this political aspect to it i do know that one uh, comedian Limmy is on it who is a gamer but he also does comedy you know like okay so this this form goes beyond just kind of talking about games yeah it's, but uh, it's no this everything is happening with swatting and doxing and that is is no game at all right like i don't know do the you know it's like do they have trouble drawing a line and saying you know what is in the game you know this will never manifest itself in real life but it's like i i, I just i don't know it's about it's it's about laws. I mean, that's kind of how yeah. it started. It's like, oh, I can send the police yeah. to your house. I can sell a, uh-huh. you know, I can send a full SWAT team to your house. Watch this. And yeah, the thing about Twitch is, I think it's for for young people because there, there are a lot of hoops you have to jump through if you're setting up a YouTube page, and if you want to live stream over YouTube, it's it's you know you have to have a certain number of, you know subscribers to do that. Yeah. Twitch is an easy way to like set up a live feed, and I and it also it you know because. It's you young, for, right? Like you pay. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's young people too. And you know, no, no young people are like turning to Facebook anymore. So it's, I mean, that seems no. to be the place they're, they're congregating. And the other thing I would just say is uh, the swatting is dangerous enough, but you know, the sentiment is all over the place. And this week at Woolwich council, you had this incident where yeah. uh, the Canadian mental health association, local chapter sent a letter to the Woolwich council that said, you know, you guys should think about installing a rainbow sidewalk or a rainbow crosswalk somewhere to like promote inclusivity and make people feel welcome. And this counselor, Murray Martin, uh, goes on a rampage where he talks about how it's been the rainbow's been co-opted and how it was a gift from God and how you know LGBTQ inclusion doesn't represent the values underlying values of the Woolwich community and that was allowed to go on for like a full minute and the mayors had to eat a bit of crow for for allowing that and then you have you know the the chair of the Waterloo Region District School Board Scott Piakowski mm-hmm. who's been threatened has had like nails put in his the tires of his vehicle um, because he erred on the side of caution with a, a delegated at a January board meeting who was you know encroaching on potentially transphobic labor and now because she has the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms on her side as she's suing the school board. Um, they're helping her do that. Um, Scott Piakowski has sort of become a, a target for, for like-minded people. So um, this isn't just an internet phenomenon. It's an IRL phenomenon and it's a phenomenon in our communities. And I, I think we should all be aware of that too. I also think this is going to be the most interesting municipal campaign we've seen, if not in a while, then ever. It could uh, be. It and you're going to hear about some of it on our show in the future. In the very near future, but in the future, it's even nearer. We're going to take a break and then come back with an interview with uh, none other than 
Kareem Asad. You are listening to Open Source as well. If you're on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. Go to college to get no fancy business degree. I went to the bar to get a PhD in biology. It's a real degree from Trent University. And why can't you not be waiting? Why do I throw good money away by eating wings upon the. This week's number one album on the CFRU chart is Werewolves of London, Ontario. That song is from that album. The album's by B.A. Johnson. And we heard, Why Can't Tonight Be Wing Night? I cannot tell you how much I love this guy. (laughs) (laughs) I heard he's playing somewhere. He's playing like a back alley Mm -hmm. somewhere in Ontario this week. Uh, Yeah, I guess there's a bit of a back alley feel to those tunes, but. BA speaks to me and everybody that lives uh, on Highway 6. Well, I think we missed a real opportunity to play a, a, a classic, uh, which is the Boney M tune, Rasputin. Um, oh, yeah. Because that is apparently the favorite of Queen of Canada, Romana Tadillo. Uh, she plays it at least 10 hours in a row, uh, according to a recent Vice article on, on Romana Tadillo. Uh, Mac uh, Lamoureux who's been sort of on top of a lot of the, the far right stuff going on in Canada here. Also on top of it is Kareem Assad, who is a Toronto lawyer. She specializes in sort of helping people interact with the landlord tenant board. Uh, she does some criminal law too. She's also a cartoonist. She's also a big wrestling fan. Um, and all this is to say that uh, we had a chance to talk to Karima, who got on her scooter and went to Peterborough a couple of weeks ago to uh, catch the Queen appearing in person in Peterborough as some activists there tried to arrest Peterborough police for uh, their quote unquote crimes uh, supporting COVID-19 restrictions and public health measures during the pandemic. Uh, that did not go as they planned. It actually went the opposite of how they planned because uh, several people were protesting, got arrested, and uh, Queen Ramana hightailed it out of town. But let's let's let Karima talk about uh, being there and uh, tell her uh, story and uh, her adventures covering the alt right. We're going to hit play on that interview starting right now. Okay, uh, Karima Saad, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, to start off with, um, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, when you go out and, uh, you know, d- do this uh, bit of citizen journalism you do and you're telling people you're going out to uh, this rally where uh, Ramona Dedillo, who calls herself the Queen of Canada, is is going to speak or make an appearance and, and um, your, your friends or family look at you quizzically in, in terms of like, who is this person you are? <laughs> You're following around Ontario. Um, I mean, how do you explain uh, the the Queen Romana phenomenon to them? You know, it, it's funny in Peterborough, uh, it was actually a surprise that she turned up. So mm. I was going there to sort of see what would happen with her followers. And then she was an unexpected 
although perhaps not altogether pleasant surprise. Um, <laughs> but to answer your question, you know, I've, I've been doing this sort of on the ground attending and documenting rallies um, for close to two years now. So at this stage, you know, my inner circle has resigned itself to the fact that <laughs> this is just a thing that she does, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I do get sort of questions from strangers as well. Like, why are you doing this? You know, what's the point? Aren't you just giving them airtime and platforming them? Mm. Um, but I, I see value in, in having a record um, that is, you know, I can't say unbiased because I come to it with my own sort of views and takes and perspectives. Um, but being there and being present provides a, a, my vantage point. And, and I think that that's inherently of, of value. Yeah. And I agree. I, I, I kind of take a similar approach to covering the, the similar movements here that it's just important that someone be there and, and sort of record what's going on. Uh, Peterborough, especially, and I know you have some history in Peterborough, but um can you explain sort of why that sort of became a vocal, uh, a focal point a couple of weeks ago um, in terms of some of the local? I mean, from what I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong, too, is that um, Romana showing up was kind of, as you said, kind of a surprise. This was mm -hmm. kind of this was a local event, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's exactly right. Um, so uh, backtracking for a second, um, sure. Romana Didulo is, you know, I, I guess we can call her an influencer of sorts. Um, she is the self-proclaimed queen of Canada, queen of the world. Um, she purports to have sort of an, uh, special powers, like supernatural powers, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, very aligned to QAnon um, and kind of that realm of things. Um, and also ties into sovereign citizenship, which is, mm -hmm. you know, a pseudo-legal theory, um, just bunk that sells pretty well to people who want to be exempt from the rule of law mm -hmm. uh, and, and peterborough um is i don't know if unique is exactly the right word but she has some very loyal and dedicated followers um in particular the man who organized the the event um, on, on August 13th, I think it was, um, Frank Curtin. And, and mm -hmm. for the past year or so, he's been, you know, crusading against the Peterborough Police Department. And it culminated in this event where, you know, what's significant is mm -hmm. the rhetoric that um, Romana Didulo, you know, puts out um, mm -hmm. was it actually manifested into a scene of physical violence um mm. so you know yes she you know has this telegram group chat with 60 or seventy thousand followers um she tells her followers all sorts of you know legal lies really um and with disastrous consequences people not paying their bills because of her royal decree only to lose their homes or utilities um and in this particular instance you know, it, it was meant to be a citizen's arrest of the entire Peterborough police force, mm -hmm. which, as you can imagine, um, did not go very well for <laughs> the, the followers trying to carry out those orders. 
Yeah, it, it's curious to me, and I don't expect you to be able to explain the psychology of, of some of these followers, but I mean, one of the people arrested was this man, Timothy Claudio, and um, if people have seen the videos, it's, it, you know, it was a pretty rough arrest, um, you know, the people pushed to the ground and, you know, held on the ground as they're being cuffed, and I found it interesting, the SIU was actually... Um, investigating the the treatment of mr claudio specifically but um they reached out to him uh, i guess as uh, as a as the complaining uh the complainant and and he has not cooperated with the siu i guess it probably feeds a bit into how um they feel about law enforcement and shouldn't be terribly surprised that they are uh that he's refused involvement but still it's you know here's the siu sort of intervening on his behalf and and he uh is not participating yeah there's a lot they do that that's counterproductive um Mm -hmm. and i think you know you hit the nail on the head where there's this distrust of institutions um particularly law enforcement but we could say sort of the courts um media, like mm. just generally societal institutions, and it runs very deep. Um, so I'm not altogether surprised that that he is refusing to cooperate, even though, you know, whether that's his in his best interest or not is a separate question. Is this a matter of, again, this was kind of a separate event happening from um, Romana's road trips, but... Um, is this a matter of she's kind of skating to where the puck is going, where she, she can sort of see these other movements, people respond to her on, on social media, like telegram. And, and then I, I guess it's, is it a little bit like, you know, leading from behind that she's sort of mm. co-opting all these various movements, whether it's QAnon, whether it's the sovereign citizen movements, you know, she's just sort of become a, uh, an aggregate of these sort of conspiracy things. That's an interesting sort of way to put it. Um, Absolutely, her following or fan base is the more extreme of the fringe. Um, So there's some overlap with what might be described as the freedom movement. um, But this is a group onto itself. Um, Mm. As for why Peterborough, again, (laughs) I think that's where she had the support and someone willing to actually carry this out. Um, mm. So I think she's pragmatic in that sense. Um, absolutely, she's latched onto freedom initiatives, uh, and even her cross-country road trip via RV. Uh, mm. You know, it's it's crowdfunded, and mm-hmm. it, it's kind of reminiscent of what we've seen some of the other influencers do. Um, this notion of convoys keeps coming up. Uh, it's a recurring theme. Uh, so it, 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 she definitely does her own thing and it's heavily influenced by QAnon. Um, but where the opportunity presents itself, um, she piggybacks. And, and for example, I saw her in Ottawa during the, the occupation slash convoy. And, you know, she had her dedicated crew there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't necessarily well received by others within the movement especially the the, she she burned a canadian flag which you know really upset 
um, a lot of the the so-called freedom fighters. Mm-hmm. That, that's something I wanted to, to broach with you because I, I remember seeing some of those videos that her followers were making. And there, there was one in particular that stuck in my mind where she goes out looking for the Fox News crew so that they can interview her. And, um, you know, the Fox News crew is like, oh, you're who? Okay, sure. Um, but there's also an incident here in in guelph where uh at one of these sort of anti-mandate uh rallies uh somebody gets up and says look you know there's one queen of canada it's elizabeth and somebody walks out of the crowd and gets into this woman's face and is like no you're wrong um i i guess how much flexibility or or how much of a division is there between you know the people who embrace romana and then the people who are like who, who we already kind of classify in the fringe who go, whoa, 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 that's too fringe. <laughs> you know, everyone is disconnected or untethered to reality to some degree, right? Mm. If, if you're in this movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is a matter of degree. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's kind of comical um, mm. to see the interactions play out. And even in Peterborough, actually, um, there were at least a handful of people who were there, not in support of Romana, but to observe and see what was going on. Um, you know, they may have attended other events with some of these folk and, and just curious, right? Maybe a morbid curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've seen tension um, and, and particularly after the flag burning in Ottawa, um, I would say that was kind of things got heated. And the second time she spoke, um, she was actually protected by parliamentary security. Uh, I think they were concerned that an incident might transpire. And, and it was sort of ironic that resources were being used um, in that way, right, um, right, right. Given, given her messaging. But I also, I, I understand the rationale. Um, you know, it, originally when I started um, really doubling down on my coverage of this movement, it was um, with a focus on Chris Guy. Um, mm. And he was the first influencer that I saw to uh, basically disavow, you know, the the QAnon supporters in his group chat. I think he got irritated um, that they kept posting videos of Romana Didulo. Um, and, and so he, he splintered his own fan base um, mm. for that purpose. So it, it can get quite explosive and contentious. Um, and other times it's just a matter of coexisting in this weird little ecosystem. Yeah. Chris guy is an interesting one because he, you know, like uh, Romana, he kind of chased the convoy. Uh, the, the movement kind of got away from him. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I think he's largely irrelevant now. I mean, he, he was always irrelevant to some degree, um, sure. <laughs> but popular like attraction. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of that mystique I think is, is now gone. Um, and in a bid to stay relevant, he showed up at the convoy, but without much fanfare. Uh, mm-hmm. And and he is now, I think Alberta based and still putting out videos here and there, but you know, who cares? And it's interesting sort of to see these people come and go. And we see that in the, the United States too. Like somebody like Richard Spencer was once a big uh, deal is, you know, now kind of cloistered in Montana, uh, you know, living with his mother again, because he's been sued from every side. So I, I appreciate, you know, we're not in the prediction business, but I mean, is, 
you know, Romana kind of here to stay or is, um, you know, is, is she going to flame out at some point too? Uh, they all age like milk. Um, mm. <laughs> so I don't think that there's a great shelf life here, um, especially as more and more of Romana's followers um, actually suffer the consequences of what she encourages them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the aftermath of Peterborough, we saw her making statements that blamed her followers for what took place, distancing herself from, you know, the ensuing chaos um, and really just skirting that blame. Um, So I I think that at some point, right, you you run out of goodwill, um, even among supporters who are loyal to a fault. I do wonder what impact and uh, perhaps you saw it, the the Vice article from uh, Mac Lamoureux, you know, talking about what's kind of like inside being inside the the court of Queen Romano uh, with, uh, you know, nonstop, you know, Boney M on repeat and, uh, you know, ha- having to book hotel rooms uh, on your credit card for Vladimir Putin if he stops by. It, it, it doesn't paint a very flattering picture of what it means to um be one of her followers no um i, I can't imagine it's it's any fun uh being part of that royal court mm-hmm. i'm curious to talk about the police side of things too because certainly and i i've seen you pose the question as well um you, you don't want to obviously fan the flames but you know here was a situation where you you know a group of people who were anti-police descending on the police station um peterborough police service perhaps under the impression that you know uh it's best not to say anything or do anything until sort of pushed uh was was the best option but uh, you know from your point of view did did they handle that well you know sort of waiting for I guess the the point where they would be forced to act as an outside observer, um, you know, initially it looked to me like police had basically just abdicated and said, okay, you guys have the park, have Mm. the front of the station, you know, (laughs) do what you need to do. And maybe you'll tire yourselves out and go home. Um, Which I I don't think, you know, I I see the merit to that strategy and I'm by no means a, a logistics or security expert, right? Mm-hmm. Um, upon reviewing my footage, I do actually believe that there were at least two undercover, like plainclothes officers in the crowd. Interesting. Um, so, and and that wasn't immediately apparent to me the day of. It was kind of going back and reviewing, and huh, this guy keeps showing up to de-escalate, and he looks like he's holding back laughter. And I've never seen him before. And he really looks like a cop. Um, so there was, you know, so I think, you know, I might have been um, too quick to say that there was no police presence. Obviously, I can't confirm or deny whether there were plainclothes officers. Right. Um, but, you know, it's possible that that was the situation. And that would, you know, be a way to try and cool the temperatures and maybe dissuade people from acting out obviously that didn't work fully um no but you know whether i I think if if this had been a different group um and i've made this point elsewhere as well um Mm -hmm. you know if a group of muslims showed up at the police station and we're going to take this over and arrest the cops uh, i think we would have seen a very decisive 
and fast response. Um, you know, same with if it was a group of uh, activists advocating for unhoused people or Black Lives Matter or virtually any other group apart from fringe related, right? Um, yeah. So that does concern me to some extent because I wonder, you know, how is law enforcement perceiving threats? What's taken seriously? What is treated as a joke and to whose detriment? Um, so th those, uh, that's not been resolved in my mind. Um, and, you know, it's, it's easy to be sort of critical from an armchair perspective. Yeah. Um, but there was a counter protester who attended um, and, you know, he endured several assaults um, and, you know, there was no recourse for him at that moment, right? There have, there's been one arrest in relation to that. And I think one person, a grandmother at large, um, but the, you know, that's reactive. Um, and mm. I wonder if having sort of a presence, you know, would that have affected the outcome at the same time, you know, who's the unlucky officer who, has to stand at the front line and deal with this group, right? So right. there's no there's no good answers, um, and ultimately this is a, a, a matter of social issues, right? So the blunt force instrument of criminal law will only take us so far in in addressing this. Yeah, I I do sort of appreciate. There's kind of no good answers here because if you put a uniform police kind of standing there, well you know, that person is standing there with a badge that has their specific number on it. That person is standing there with their last name on a lapel. They are, their faces aren't covered. And we have seen, you know, people respond to uh, these authority figures who, you, you know, in, in particularly vicious ways. Like one of the things we're also talking about on the show is uh, Keffels in, in London, who was, who was doxxed and, you know, all she does is go on Twitch and talk about politics. So, you, you know, these people can also be quite vicious. It, it, you're, you're absolutely right. And in the age of social media where the reach of, you know, it, it's not just an immediate localized problem. Your mm -hmm. picture is on there. Mm right? It, indefinitely. Mm -hmm. um, and that can have real world implications for people's safety. Um, and, and I don't know that we have effective ways of dealing with that. And, you know, so it, it's more complex, the more you think about it. Um, and so I don't have I don't have the answers. I don't know. This is yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's I, I agree. There's no easy answers. Um, you did mention safety. And, and I was curious about your safety uh, uh, going to these things. Um, are, are, do they kind of recognize you on on site? And, and does that ever uh, create a cause of for concern for you? And I know you do also have a, a camera person that goes with you to cover these things, too, you know, as um are, are you worried walking into these situations? Uh, we were recognized pretty early on in Peterborough, um, in part because uh, I spent a decent amount of time in that city covering, um, you know, their freedom sort of anti-vax movement. Mm. Um, now, am I wanted or welcome? No, not <laughs> really. Uh, <laughs> I have sort of refined my approach as best as possible, um, you know, over the course of the past two years to be non-adversarial. 
um, and just focus on documenting and, you know, just standing my ground, really. Um, Mm -hmm. There are times uh, where the temperature does seem to be rising to a point that I can't control and, you know, I I leave. Um, Mm. So that that has happened. Um, But generally speaking, especially when we are in a public place, um, I, I feel confident in my right to be there. And I assert that um, just by staying where I am. Um, so it's, it, it can be nerve wracking, um, but by and large, you know, it, it's, I'm just dealing with people as people. Um, mm. and, and I suppose that my training as a lawyer Um, has equipped me to deal particularly with unreasonable people. Um, And so that's sort of a transferable skill set that I, I try to utilize. Yeah. And I think that's, I, I, I of course have interactions with um, people who talk about sort of these anti-mask, anti-mandate protesters and use terms like COVID, Covidiots and you know free dumb with emphasis on the dumb and you know I I've never thought that was particularly helpful because um, you know we do want these people to come back to reality at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're a hundred percent right, and and like that's kind of the type of characterizing that that I avoid. Um, I am sort of satirical or. Maybe I, I use a dry humor approach um, mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. caption videos sometimes. Um, but the number one lesson I've learned is don't tweet it if you wouldn't say it to someone's face. Right. Um, so that's that's always in my mind. And where I get confronted by people, you say mean things about us online, you're nasty towards us. It's like, actually, no, I'm not. Uh, my captions are fairly, fairly placid. Um, you're probably reading the comments and I can't control that except to you know, discourage or gently suggest that people sort of redirect their anger. Um, But, and I get comments from both sides, right? Right. Um, So I I think that that, you know, I, I I make that point wherever possible, although objective facts and reality um, aren't always, you know, the, the prime concern. Um, And, you know, to, to your point of bringing people back to reality, I, I don't actually think that happens through sort of vicious mockery. Um, mm. Now, jokes and humor are are helpful, I think, for the rest of us to process. Um, yeah. So that's not to say that it's invaluable. Um, but, you know, golden rule, right? You treat people <laughs> with a base level of respect and humanity and decency. And it may not be returned, but that that's that's my mindset going in. I'm not there as an agitator. I'm not there, you know, to cause problems. I'm here to see what you guys are up to. And it's a matter of public interest. It is a matter of public interest. And and, uh, this interview has been very interesting indeed. So uh, Karim Asad, thank you so much for the work that you do and uh, keep up that good work as it is valuable indeed. So thank you for coming on our show. Thank you so much. All right. Once again, that was Kareem Assad, and uh, you can find her on Twitter easy enough. I think her email handle is Kareem Rules, and uh, I suspect we will be hearing a lot more from her. Although the whereabouts of Queen Ramona, I think, are kind of unknown. She last seen headed north 
in maybe a new vehicle kind of kind of keeping up that mystique but uh to meet the spaceship well we're we're, we're all hoping man we're all hoping. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's it for this week's show we hope you liked it if you want to stay connected to us you can go to our website at opensourcesguelph.com you can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire and on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. If you'd like to listen to our show again, you can download it from our website every Monday or from the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean, or you can get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter. And for all show information on CFRU, Beyond this one and everything that's going on, check out CFRU.ca slash shows. Yep. And there's a lot going on in the next couple of weeks as it's back to school and festivals uh, get going. So stay tuned for, for all that information. As for us, uh, we're out. Stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return, though, next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Open Sources. And we will see you then.